Simply Financial with Christopher Calandra, Certified Financial Planner, is an innovative, comprehensive, informative, and cutting-edge podcast that discusses financial topics ranging from personal finance, economics, politics, and personal growth. Simply Financial will cover intriguing and thought-provoking questions so that the listener can simply increase their financial IQ. I'm your host, Christopher Calandra, for the Simply Financial podcast. We are in season number two, and this is episode number 47. Welcome to this edition of the Simply Financial podcast. I have with me in studio Jeremy Hyatt, a mortgage professional. I had met Jeremy several months ago. We worked on a few things together. In fact, recently we hosted a little networking happy hour, and uh, I wanted to talk to him about mortgages, some tips for people that are looking for mortgages, as well as talk a little bit about where the mortgage, mortgage, I can't even speak, where the mortgage market is today with increasing interest rates and where the real estate market is. So thank you, Jeremy, for coming in and hanging out. My pleasure. Appreciate the invite. It's glad to be here. So did you always want to be in the mortgage business? I mean, did you grow up saying I'm going to be a mortgage professional? No, not 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 quite. I uh, kind of fell into it, but uh, it's been 13 and a half years, and it's been a great ride, and I'm I'm happy where I am for sure. What are some of the best parts of doing this for a business? It's it's a tough business in many ways, it is. like like most are, and yes. So what do you what do you like about it? Well, I mean, it has I mean, like any profession, it has its ups and its downs, you know, pluses and minuses. But I mean, they're the good pieces. I would say are the um, unlimited income potential, um, the uh, the freedom. You don't you're not necessarily locked into a nine to five clock in clock out. So it's out. entrepreneurial. It, it is. It definitely is. Uh, prior to getting into this profession, I was more the you know clock in clock out. You know. Um, your time was basically um, the commodity that mm-hmm. was uh, limiting because you're getting paid you know, per, per hour, what have you. This is a little bit more entrepreneurial and allows you to uh, to kind of build a business, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, but but I would say, honestly, the biggest piece for me is being able to help families and help yeah. people get into um, you know, a, a good situation in, uh, and obviously, you know, home ownership is the American dream. So, I mean, what's more fulfilling than to that? To be part of that. Absolutely. Pretty awesome. It is. Now, you mentioned the flexibility, being entrepreneur, create your own hours, not nine to five, not punching a clock. Um, you have uh, a wife and a young family. Yes. Try and use that to your advantage. Good work-life balance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, you try to. I mean, um, you know, two-year-old, four-and-a-half-year-old, um, you know, wife. Um, you know, so, so there's some obviously uh, some obligations outside of the, uh, the career and and the, the to to your point, I mean the positives were what we just mentioned, but the you know the the other side of it is that you're always on call. I mean you always have to be available. So that that's a that's a struggle at sometimes mm-hmm. to you know be sitting there you know bathing the kids and you know trying to get them ready for bed, and the the text or the phone goes mm-hmm. off, and it's one of your great realtor partners that's looking for you know whether it be some mm-hmm. feedback on a scenario or a pre approval letter. So you have to try to um, you know walk that line. Beautiful. So let's get into it a bit. So if somebody's looking for a mortgage, educate us on what are the some of the key metrics that lenders look at when they're considering somebody for a loan? Great question. Um, the, the short answer is income, assets, and credit. But in the, uh, in the mortgage space, in the banking space, in the lending space, there's always been um, what we call the five C's okay. of uh, of lending, and the first one is credit history, which of course is the track record you've established while managing credit and making payments over time. 
that is, um, you know, the, the history of your ability to repay. Now, that is basically um, converted into a scoring model. I'm sure you heard the term right. FICO, FICO scores, score. right? Yeah. They range between 300 and 850, and of course, the higher end of that range is going to, you know, fetch more favorable the higher, the pricing. Better. Yes, okay. the higher the better. So the that's the, the first C. Um, and then the next is, is capacity, which is basically your um, ability to handle or manage uh, your debt load. So basically it's considered to be your your debt-to-income ratio, or DTI, as uh, as we use in the mortgage industry. Um, so that's basically from a, from a financing standpoint, a mortgage standpoint, we take a look at any obligation um, that shows up on a credit report, student loan, auto loan, um, credit card payment, and then add whatever the, if you're purchasing, the new mortgage payment, including taxes, insurance, mm -hmm. um, if there's any kind of PMI or private mortgage insurance, and we add those obligations up, and then we equate that to a percentage of your gross monthly income. And typically the standard is about 45% is going to be the, the maximum and there are some programs that we can go higher but that's that's generally speaking the uh the, okay. the capacity piece of it so or the we have the, the credit part capacity yep. what's next uh collateral collateral which is basically the the property um of course whenever you're lending on a, a piece of property you have to make sure that the value is there that the property is in you know, a good position um, as far as the you know structural and mechanical and things like that. You um, you can't be uh, lending money on <laughs> dilapidated unless you're doing, of course, a rehabilitation mm -hmm. loan, and then we can right. But that's for kind that. of a specialized. But Correct. generally speaking, they want a property that's in good condition, good working order. And does that also cover like the value? In other words, if I'm paying three hundred thousand dollars for yes. the house. It should appraise for it. Should yes. be worth three hundred thousand. Absolutely, absolutely. So whenever it comes to the appraisal piece of it, of course, that is uh, the collateral. Um, through any lending transaction, whether it be a refinance or a purchase, you're of course going to have to have an evaluation of the property to make sure that, of course, the lender is protecting their investment in the property, but also to make sure that the potential buyer or refinancer is not getting themselves over over right. the head. That makes um, perfect sense in today's day and age, like where the market is today. Um, do a lot of deals fall apart because the collateral, in other words, the property's not appraised at a good enough price? Or is that something I think years ago after the financial crisis, there was some dislocations that seemed to happen a lot? Is is that kind of rare now you, or no? You see it uh, less in a, rising, um, in a rising home or an appreciating um, value type market. Um, whenever things were kind of going the other direction, you would see it potentially more often. I mean, don't get me wrong, we still see it. It's just not as prevalent as so it was So in the last six back. months, have there been dozens of those that you've seen with you or, say, in your office? Or, you know, Couple. can I count them on one hand? Yeah, one hand. Okay. One, one hand. All right. One hand. And what's um, after collateral on the five C's? Uh, capital, which is basically your assets are reserved. So not, not all loan programs require a uh, down payment. Um, and there are some that, you know, we could help not only with down payment, but also closing costs. But the the more stable you look in the way of, from a, from a risk standpoint, the better. So the larger the down payment, typically the better. Mm -hmm. um, the more, uh, the, the term that we use in the lending industry is reserve. So let's say your payment is $2,000 a month, just throwing a number out there. If you have $10,000 left over after the mm -hmm. transaction in, in assets or reserves, mm -hmm. that calculates out to be five months of reserve. So the, the more reserves you have, 
the more stable it makes you look as a potential uh, risk. Because if, let's say, something happened to your income source, then they could utilize that and say, okay, well, he has five months of the payment left over to potentially make if there was something to happen to his source of All income. Right. So that makes good. So that, that's the capital piece. All right. And what's the last of the five? Conditions. Is it the best? Yeah, no. Is it the best for last? No, no I did no. not. No, it's basically uh, conditions. And basically all that means is under what conditions is the lender offering um, to the financing? Is it a purchase? Is it a cash out refinance? Um, if it is a refinance to take money out of your property, what's the what's it being used for? That kind of thing. So that, that encompasses the five C's. So you've been at this a while. Is Is it fair to say that of the five... Sees that the credit score piece has become more important over time? Um, I would say that it's important, but I would say if, if I had to throw one or, or choose one, I would definitely say it would be the capacity or the income. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the, the mortgage crash, the meltdown and what have you, I mean, that was all because, you know, people were being put in a position where they couldn't effectively repay that obligation. Right. So I, th- I feel like that has become, you know, more of the forefront of, they're all important, don't get right. me wrong. But, but that's gotten more important over time. Yes. Like your um, your credit history counts less and your credit um, character, if you will, counts a little less, right, than income. Like it seems to me that's become so much more important than it was before the financial crisis. Yeah. Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. I mean, I got 13 and a half years ago, going on 14 years ago, I actually got my start in the subprime mortgage industry. Where Lucky you. If you had a, yeah, if you had a, a, a pulse and the, <laughs> the, uh, the access to a pen, you were basically given a, a mortgage. So, yes, to, to your point, credit history has definitely become more important. All right. So, so if, if our listeners out there, let's say, are not in their first home yet and they want to prepare themselves or another group might be somebody that's in her home but they want to get into their forever home or a dream home they want to trade up or even still others somebody might want to buy a vacation home what can they do to prepare themselves to become more lendable uh, honestly the my best suggestion would be to get in contact with a rec- reputable mortgage professional um, early in the process and kind of have them guide you and walk your hand through it. I mean, ultimately, it's going to be going back to those five C's. It's, you know, making sure that you're making your, your monthly payments on your obligations on time, mm-hmm. um, you, know, with the, you know, so they're not 30 days late. Of course, if you already are a homeowner, making sure that the mortgage payment doesn't go mm-hmm. 30 days late. Um, you know, if you are planning on making a down payment, make sure that you have some assets aside right. and what have you. Um you know, thing, things of that nature. So, I mean, just really but, going back to But that's to those good advice, days. though, because sometimes somebody, they say, all right, you know, they get, let's say they're in a house and they get their house ready for sale, then they go out and find something, and then they say, well, let's check with the mortgage person. The yeah. mortgage person, um, you know, whether it's you or another professional, they should get to you earlier so that you could work together as part of the process and not be under the gun like we found a house we're ready to buy it let's go you could handle that that, but that's not 
I, I do see that. I see a lot of times where people are kind of putting the cart before the horse, so to speak, right. where they're going out and they're looking at homes and they're, you know, asking the realtor to take them, you know, to look at 10 different places on a Saturday afternoon, but they haven't actually got their ducks in a row when it comes to getting pre-approved or okay. even, even what they may be able to finance. So the bottom line is, you know, get with a, a, a trusted mortgage advisor, you know, earlier on in the process. And if for some reason um, you're not able to, to, or you're not qualifiable or lendable at that point in time, you know, a good mortgage professional will, will definitely kind of hold your hand and walk you sure. through to the point where, okay, you need to do this, this, and this mm-hmm. to be able to purchase six months down the road or what have you. So early on in the process, I think, too, you want to, correct me if I'm wrong, you should check your credit. Of course. Because there's a lot of instances where there's errors on your credit Absolutely. report. And so your credit score could be artificially low. Absolutely. And fixing that is not a snap thing, right? Correct. So that's another reason to start earlier. And then also you could see where your metrics are early in the process, right? What your what um, you mentioned? What was it? DTC, D- DTI, debt to DTI. income ratio. That was close. Two out of three. Right. <laughs> um, so then you could figure out, like, with the mortgage professional. All right, if I pay off this debt, that'll help with my Correct. ratio and give me Correct. more room. Um, what the target is for a down payment. Correct. And then if you save even a little bit more above that, you might get a better right. offer in terms of interest rate or interest rate, some other pricing options. Correct. All right, good. So how much of a better deal do you get with a better credit score? So the highest credit score is what, 820? You said 850. 850 is the highest. I've never That's seen your higher credit than score, 825. Right? Oh, oh for, for years, of <laughs> course. Okay. So, <laughs> the best. so what's the difference? So are there um, categories in the... They're, they're, they're tiered. So, I mean, it depends on the type of loan program. I'm sure you've heard of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which are conventional yes. financing terms and... Um, and then also FHA um, as well. So, so depending on the type of loan program, there's obviously other ones out there as well. From a, from a conventional financing standpoint, they call them credit tiers or credit buckets. So 620 to 640, 640 to 660, 660 to 680, and so on. Okay. And, until typically you get around the 740 range, mm-hmm. and then typically anything above 740 or better puts you in the, in the highest bucket, which of course will allow or afford for the best uh, potential pricing because it's risk-based. Sure. So if you have a higher credit score, that's an indication, not the only indication, right. but an indication that you're creditworthy and your risk is less. Correct. So you'll command a better yeah. deal because yeah. the insure, the um, issuer of the loan feels like it's a safer... Correct. All right. The analogy that I've always used, Chris, is, it, I mean, it's, it's very similar to um, auto insurance. If you're driving a Ferrari and you had two speeding tickets, you're going to have a higher premium than if you drive, okay. you know, a a five thousand dollar vehicle and have a squeaky clean. What if you drive right a Ferrari but you don't get speeding tickets? <laughs> well, that's, that's that a, sounds like the best yeah, of yeah, it all does, worlds, actually. So, what's the in general? If somebody calls up, what's the What's the credit score below which you're probably not going to get a loan? I don't know if there's an absolute number, but if somebody calls you up and says this number, you would say, hey, listen, I'll work with you, but we got some challenges in front of us. Is it 500, 600? 580 to 620 is typically going to be the, the lower end of the spectrum on, on the majority of loan programs okay. out there. I mean, there are some other um, loan options that are considered to be non-QM or non-qualified mortgage mm-hmm. programs that allow for, you know, recent events like foreclosure and, you know, recent bankruptcies and things like that and lower credit profiles. But of course, 
anything outside the box like that with a, a little additional perceived risk is going to have a little bit additional premium. But to answer your question, I would typically say 580 to 620 okay. is going to be the bottom. So end. I'm just curious. What's the lowest score you've seen? Oh, I've seen it in the threes. Wow. Yeah. you got to work pretty hard at that. Yes, you do. And on the flip side, what's the highest score that you've seen? Do you recall? Eight, it's a, I, th- I want to say it was like an 825. I've never seen anything in the 830s or 840s, and, and this is going on 14 years. And what do you think? Uh, have you seen statistic? What's the, the average credit score for the average American adult? Do you have any idea? I was just looking at that. Um, God, I can't remember where I saw it, but I want to say it was in the uh, low 700 range. And actually, the the article that I read was that credit is actually at I don't know if they said it was an all time high or just a, a very high point in the in the average consumer really? for the average consumer. Absolutely, I was surprised by it, but <laughs> that's interesting. All right, neat. Let's um, uh, switch gears a little bit. So the real estate market. I mean, the mortgage industry. You're closely tied to the performance of the real estate, right? Of so if if somebody's in a city, if, if you're a mortgage professional in a city that real estate is red hot, you're probably going to be busier than if you're in um, a state or a local locality where the market is flat or declining or there's not a lot of economic vitality going on, in right? In theory, yeah. So how has the mortgage market been impacted um, by increasing interest rates? So just to set the stage... Listeners, you've heard me say this a lot. One of the big issues going on in this country in the economy is the fact that the Federal Reserve has embarked on a strategy to raise interest rates. They raised interest rates in late 2016, one time, right after the presidential election. The Federal Reserve raised interest rates three times in 2017. So far, as of this recording, which is mid-November 2018, they've raised interest rates three times already this year. And everyone, including yours truly, expects that they'll raise interest rates again in December, meaning that we will have had eight rate hikes in about 25, 26 months. So my question to you, now that we're all caught up, is how has that affected the mortgage market? Um, I definitely feel like it has an impact uh, because it impacts affordability. So if you're, um, you're in an, an appreciating market where not only home values are, are going up, but interest rates are rising at the same time, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. It, it, it basically prices some people uh, out of the market. Some, um, some of the people that are right on the fringe with that, mm-hmm. that, that calculation, that debt-to-income calculation. So a, you know, a quarter point, a half a point bump in interest rates you know, to, towards the, you know, the, the higher end mm-hmm. um, could potentially mean the difference between you qualifying for a home that, that you really like in your price range versus not. So, I mean, it's, it's impacted the market. Um, there are, again, always going to be people that relocate, you know, whether it be for jobs or, or what have you, or upside, you know, mm-hmm. downsizing or, you know, expanding their families and what have you. So there's still real estate. There's always to be things out. that are buying, yeah, selling, regardless of Correct. what's going on. It does have an impact. Understood. All right. Do you have an opinion? Do you think interest rates will continue to rise in 2019? Yeah. What, what's your... Uh... I mean, all the indications and all the indicators are yes, but my crystal ball stopped working today, so... Yeah. I wish you <laughs> would have brought that, it yeah, in. Yeah, I know. I would yeah, have I asked know. a whole different set of questions, but... <laughs> yeah, if, if it was working, I would, you know, be sitting on an island, you know, somewhere owning it, but um, no... 
honestly, I mean, that's the indication. Um, ultimately, in the long run, though, if you look at, I'm 43 years old. I mean, I was around in the 80s when interest rates were 14, 15, 16%. So historically speaking, they're still very, very favorable. And I, I almost, to a point, feel like people have gotten spoiled mm-hmm. over the last, you know, three, four, five, six years, right. whenever interest rates were in the threes. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they see, you know, an interest rate with, with a five in front of it instead of a four in front of it. And it's like, what the heck? But I mean, long story short, in the in the grand scheme of things, they're still very favorable. Well said. So let me ask you this. Before the financial crisis, before, say, 2007, 2008, kind of time frame, mm-hmm. um, I think it's well established that it was too easy to get yeah. a loan, that uh, criteria, the five C's you've spoken about, became very, very lenient, yeah. almost to the point where if you were able to breathe into a mirror, you were <laughs> able to get a mortgage, and that led to some significant problems. A pulse and a pen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then it also seems to me that after the financial crisis, things got too strict, yes. that we went from an environment where... People who shouldn't get loans were getting loans on terms they shouldn't have yeah. gotten loans at. So after the financial crisis, there was almost this snapback, kind of the pendulum went too far the other way, right. and and lending institutions were not giving loans that seem to have made sense, that they could have gotten good deals at good pricing with reasonable risk, yeah. and they weren't doing them. How do you characterize the mortgage market now? Is it... Too lenient, too strict. What's the trend been? Can you give me kind of uh, your I thoughts on it, that? Yeah, I think it's coming back. And I, I you know, to your point, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I, I feel like pre um, pre mortgage meltdown, it was like I, I equated to I call it the credit belt. Mm. So like before the meltdown, like your belt was so loose, your pants were falling down. Like you know what I'm saying. But yeah. after like your belt was so tight, that credit belt was so tight, it was cutting off the circulations in your legs. So I I feel like they're trying to find a happy medium right now. There are some um, pro- products that are coming back that are they're called non QM or non qualified mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, programs that allow for you know self-employed borrowers that oh, wonderful that you know don't necessarily they they take advantage of the you know the legal tax code and they you know they take their their you know allowable deductions and things like that and so the money that's going into their account and that they make maybe isn't um, necessarily claimed on the tax returns as far as you know because the other deductions so sure. so there are a lot there's a big pool of borrowers out there that's good um, that. That are now being able to be serviced and and ha- we have products for that we didn't you know a year or two or three back. So I, right. I feel like they are kind of loosening up and getting back to more uh, common sense um, underwriting guidelines. That's encouraging because I know my view is another characterization of the post financial crisis is that the mortgage market was very much a one size fits all. If you checked the ten boxes, you were good to go, right. and credit was still right. But anything else was an enormous problem. And in a country as large as ours and as diverse as ours with different entrepreneurs, people changing jobs, moving, they're just lending institutions as governed by the regulatory bodies. They were just too stringent, too narrow. It wasn't enough flexibility, but it sounds like as we move farther from the financial crisis... It, it was a snapback type thing. It's like we went from being too loose, goosey to like now we're you know choking you know the, mm-hmm. the whole credit box. So, all right, good. It, it, I feel oh, like I like to hear back. that. That makes me feel really good. What um, what do you think about technology? How is technology changing the mortgage industry since you've been in the industry? 
How is it changing it for you as the professional, but also making the mortgage process in some ways better for the borrower? Yeah, technology is a big piece um, of where I think the mortgage industry is going. Um, it's definitely providing uh, efficiencies, which I feel is, is very needed in, in this industry. Um, frees up time, you know, I mean, it, again, you know, millennials are um, a huge segment of the uh, purchasing market now. So, uh, you know, being able to, to complete an application online and, you know, snap a picture of your documents and upload them to a PDF or even, you know, type in your, um, you know, banking institutions, you know, user ID and passcode and have that data, you know, basically instead of you know, providing an actual paper statement, have that data right. drawn into Instead the, of bringing in like 97 right. statements exactly. from the last three months, it could be electronically yep. transmitted. Being able to access your, your electronic pay stubs from your, you know, your, your payroll provider and things like that. So it's definitely providing some efficiencies, but in the long and short, I mean, this is still a relationship-based business. It's still a, you know, a customer-centric you know, face-to-face communicate and, you know, ultimately hold your hand and walk you through the process because, I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge thing. It's a lot of money and it's, you need to... You and know, it's a stressful experience when, you, when, you, when you're yeah. buying a house. There's a lot of money involved. There's a lot that's going on, not just with the mortgage process, but moving. Of course. You know, there's just, it's just an enormous yeah. undertaking. Yeah. Even if you've been through it before, it's an enormous undertaking. Yeah. So working with somebody that could alleviate the stress, make it easy, sure. help you overcome bumps that might come up with, you know, getting this document or verifying this piece of information. So that's neat about technology because I think financial industry in general, including my segment of that world is being driven a lot by technology just like yours. That's why I wanted to ask. So usually with guests, I ask, um, not knowing a ton about your background, but, you know, given where you are, younger father, professional, over time, have you developed any rules of money, things that are guiding principles for you and your wife as you try and achieve your own personal financial goals? Can you think of any rules that you guys oh, man. stick to? <laughs> I wish I wish I had something like that put in place, but I guess that's where the professionals like yourself come into play, right. um, helping you know people manage their money and, and making sure they're doing the right thing with it. But um, I, I could use an education when it comes to that right. piece. Sounds like a business opportunity for me <laughs> in Elliott Wealth Management. By the way, that was not a setup. I asked that completely off the cuff. I don't think he was expecting that question. But uh, listen, guys, thanks very much for listening. You could get more information about me and Elliott Wealth Management Services by going to our website, www.elliottwealth.com. Please subscribe to this podcast. You could sign up for our mailing address. And if you're like Jeremy and might need a consultation, we offer no-cost initial consultation where we could talk to you about your goals, objectives, how we could help you win with money. I also want to say that if you're interested in learning more about how getting a mortgage might help you, if you're looking for your first home, second home, trading up in home, um, if you're interested in getting information, Jeremy is terrific. There are lots of professionals out there. But Jeremy, if someone wanted to speak with you, how would they get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my, my best contact is my cell phone number, which is 860 478 I could also be reached via email at j 
Hyatt, J-H-Y-A-T-T, at Envoy Mortgage, E-N-V-O-Y-M-O-R-T-G-A-G-E, dot com, um, or my website, which is HyattLendingGroup.com, H-Y-A-T-T-G-R-O-U-P.com. Great. Thank you, Jeremy, for joining me. My pleasure. I appreciate it. I will see you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of Sage Point Financial Incorporated and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Please note, the information being provided is strictly as a courtesy. When you link to any of the websites provided here, you are leaving this website. We make no representation as to the completeness or accuracy of the information provided at these websites, nor is the company liable for any direct or indirect technical or system issues or any consequences arising out of your access to your use of third-party technologies websites, information, and programs made available through this website. When you access one of these websites, you are leaving our website and assume total responsibility and risk for your use of the websites you are linking to. Securities and advisory services are offered through Sage Point Financial Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, insurance services offered through Elliott Wealth Management, LLC, not affiliated with Sage Point Financial. Simply Financial is part of the Exvadio Podcast Network. You can find Exvadio podcasts at exvadio.com slash podcast, the Apple Podcasts app, iTunes Store, iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you find podcasts. So join us and stay informed and entertained.